0: Everybody, hello, and welcome back. Uh, we are here, uh, episode number ten. Uh, just the just the two soldiers today. We're we're down one man, uh, unfortunately. Their Armand, he had a a quick little operation there about I don't know three four days ago, and he's he's still still battling back from that a little bit. So giving him a little time to recuperate. But uh, that just leaves me with myself here, Jordan Kerr, and we got our other co-host, Zach Strong. So Zach. Maybe uh, what, what's going on here? Enjoying enjoying the nice little warm weather, the holidays, day one. So uh what's yeah, day one
1: face?
0: day one of summer
1: holidays? I spent uh sprawled out on my coach, not unlike Armin. My back's been bugging me for about a week here. So I've been walking around like Fred Balinikoff, but instead of stick them all over my hands, I have icy hot. My dog absolutely <laughs> loves it. She's chasing me around the house whenever I get up.
0: Unreal. Um yeah, man, teachers gotta love it right now. Summer holidays. It was a long grind. So I guess we we enjoy the warm weather here while we got it for a little while. Uh speaking of speaking of teacher stuff, I guess I will mention um myself, I'm I'm a teacher here, but I actually just took on a new position starting next year. So I will not actually be teaching next year. I'll be a educational consultant. So I really gotta soak in this couple little bit of warm weather (laughs) because starting up a little bit earlier than the teachers and and get myself ready to go for next year with my new position. So we'll we'll enjoy the warm weather while we can before back back working away. So um, I guess before we get started here, you guys, uh, just kind of starting on a little bit of a down note. Um, this episode that we are going to be sharing today was uh, going to be a, a Canada Day special, but just with everything going on, uh, we're going to pivot a little bit away from the Canada Day focus and maybe just a little bit more on Canadian individual players. Uh, as I know, Canada is coming up, and it's a little bit of a sensitive conversation right now. With, with especially everything that's been happening uh, here in Canada, starting with the Kamloops news uh, a while back, and now a little bit of what's going on here, even in our in our own Saskatchewan back door, our backyard, I guess. So, with it being a little bit of the sensitive topic, uh, obviously, before we begin here, we want to share our thoughts and prayers to the families uh, and anybody who has been impacted by uh, the residential school system. Obviously, it's not a new concept. Um, it's been it's been a sensitive conversation point for Canada for a long time uh and now obviously we're starting to hit that hit that pivot point where I think people that were kind of in the shadows or people that uh, didn't really understand it much I think now it's becoming uh, obviously not only national but international news as well too so um obviously our thoughts and prayers are out to everybody that's impacted by the residential school system and uh and obviously we don't really like to talk about the negative stuff we try to stay kind of politically neutral on the podcast a little bit and try and stick just to the fantasy football stuff or at least the happier news but we thought obviously as uh, as the three of us hosts we kind of figured that we probably should make sure that we we mentioned this and and obviously send our thoughts and prayers out to anybody affected by that so uh i guess a little bit we'll pivot away from the from the unfortunate news i guess and we'll kind of we'll kind of get ourselves going for the rest of the podcast here but like i mentioned we're, we're going to focus predominantly on the Canadian football players as uh, the July 1st day is coming up here one day after this uh, episode will drop. Uh, so focusing on the Canadian players in the NFL that are making an impact. So uh, I guess I'm away from, this, I'm away from the uh, tough news and into some of the more exciting news, I guess, from myself and Zach. Uh, we shared it on Instagram there. Uh, I guess what day would have been, Wednesday or Thursday? I can't really remember. But uh, <laughs> Zach and myself both got the invite to the uh, Scott Fish Bowl uh hashtag sfb11 so this is the 11th season uh it's actually kind of neat because i'm talking to a few of our fans a little bit they reached out to us like oh man what does this scott fish thing mean like uh tell us a little bit about that so uh i guess zach maybe you want to get uh give the listeners if the, the quick cold notes version of what scott fish is what the league's about uh and then uh, i guess what we're uh what our position is i guess going into the tournament
1: sure yeah so Without, uh, without knowing everything about the, the size of the league, um, it's around, uh, 1900 players. I think it's 1920, uh, different players from around the world. Uh, some of them are celebrities. Some of them are the analysts that you guys listen to on other podcasts. Uh, guys like Michael Fabiano, big names like that are, are in the main league and, uh, Jordan and I weren't quite lucky enough to get into the, the main league this year, but we are in the, uh, the Satellite Tournament, which is a, a best ball style tournament, um, super flex format with a tight end premium. Um, the, the really neat thing about the, the Satellite Tournament is the winner of each 12-team division will get a automatic bid into the, the main tournament uh, for next year. So just um, really, tournament's yeah. like, it's
0: almost impossible again, dude, it's very, a very, very prestigious tournament. So you can like anybody can apply, but the chance like it's held for a small percentage of fans, mostly, mostly analysts, celebrities, all that, uh, all those types of individuals as well too. So for even us just to kind of get the satellite invite is a, it was a pretty big deal for the two of us. I, guess.
1: I remember yeah, I think it was Tuesday, you know, it must've been Wednesday that, uh, or Thursday, perhaps even. But I found out. And as soon as I found out, I put it in our our little group chat. And Jordan was like, Oh, I got awesome. Congrats. He's like, Oh, I gotta go check. So waiting with bated breath. And yeah, sure enough, a few minutes later we're celebrating. Yeah.
0: It was low-key, pretty jealous. like, oh damn it, Zach got in, that lucky guy. And then I was like, Wait, maybe I should check my email. I haven't checked my email this morning. And oh yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty exciting day for the both of us, but so we're uh, like we mentioned a little bit on the Instagram there. Zach is in the Mac Miller division uh, and myself. I'm in the corn division. It's it's split into uh, this year. They did um, musicians and different bands and artists and stuff like that. So obviously with there being so many divisions, so many conferences, you got to figure out a some sort of a mutual way to or a neutral way, I guess, to try and connect everybody in their divisions and conferences and stuff like that. So, yeah, Zach being the Mac Miller and myself being the corn, we even talked about even in the like satellites, there's some pretty big names like my division. I have four uh analysts from the fantasy pros podcast i have two from the dynasty nerds podcast i have one from the fantasy footballers so it's there's some pretty big names in there so i mean if we can if we can hold our own in these uh in these tournaments to kind of make a little bit of noise it'd be pretty pretty big for us obviously in our platform so that's some pretty exciting news for, for zach and myself and then scotty fish i guess the one thing we will mention too is the the whole tournament itself is a, a charity league so the whole thing is charity based and all the money goes to uh to different charities and i think a lot of people fall with the hashtag fantasy cares is kind of the main uh platform that follows the scott, uh, the scott fish Bowl as well too so so obviously that's uh, pretty big for zach and myself and hopefully can bring a little bit of breaking rights back to our podcast as we as we enter scott fish because their draft our draft is actually one week from today we're recording on the yeah. monday so our draft starts exactly in seven days so uh, we've got a lot of preparation coming into that. Uh, the strategies for the draft is totally different than kind of what your standard redraft or your standard best ball draft is because obviously you're trying to beat (laughs) thousands of people so uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll keep everybody listed or posted uh, as we kind of go through this or not only our draft but then as the season progresses in that one too obviously it's a it's a big one for us so Um, I guess that, that kind of does a little bit for the intros there just anything else there you want to add Zach or
1: I uh, know it's uh it's gonna be really exciting um lots of different rules and uh kind of settings in that league so I'm really excited to dive right in and and try my hand at things that I haven't tried before so
0: absolutely um so I guess we'll get ourselves going here uh insiders and headliners a little bit of a slow slow couple of weeks for news mostly the hype stuff the the uh the pump up pieces you know that this player's primed up for a good season this guy's getting ready for this so it's it's kind of hard, especially as people that are the fantasy football fans to be able to decipher what is what do these pieces mean because, I mean, obviously it's the same thing every year. You're trying to hype up your players and get them ready to go for the next year. But uh, a few pieces, Demarius Thomas uh, retired after 11 seasons. Uh, he was dominant in Denver, uh, kind of fizzled towards the end of his career there, but uh, obviously had some big-time fantasy years as a Denver Bronco. Um, Antonio Brown's probation ended a year early he was he's playing regardless, but now once again it's just kind of one of those things that just we don't have to monitor the Antonio Brown uh scenarios anymore. Uh this one's kind of a neat one and I kind of want to hear what you think after this because when we listen to coach talk, I always mention coach talk, I don't really buy into the positive stuff because it's a coach's job to hype up the players. But if a coach comes out and says something negative about a player in the offseason, that's I, I kind of direct my attention to that a little bit more than obviously I would the positive and obviously take with a grain of salt because until you have visual evidence or something that would back the the coach talk is kind of hard to go into. But this one's a little bit interesting. Urban Myers came out and says that Trevor Lawrence is not ready. Quote unquote, not ready. What do you like? He's just gonna be the week one starter. Like, like I don't know if like I don't know if that's like just a like he's still got a, a long hurdle to go, or he's not projected to be this unbelievable one one pick they're going after. But or do you think it's just trying to light a little fire under the Urban Myers has kind of put some wonky reports out there, and I thought this was one of the ones that's a real head scratcher.
1: I don't know. I think this might just be coach speak. Um, like, like you said, I don't, I don't think they're going to go with, uh, with the mullet down there. I think they're sticking with yeah, Trevor okay. Lawrence at quarterback. So Gardner- I think mm-hmm. it could, it could just be a, an instance of, of Meyer wanting to to just like downplay the hype a little bit, um, like. I'm sure Jacksonville is just in a frenzy that they have to be absolutely stoked to have Trevor Lawrence. So it might just be urban's attempt to downplay and to just kind of calm everybody down being like, don't expect like an MVP type season from this young man. He's, he's still like 21 or 22, just, you know, keep your expectations realistic. Um, I'm sure he's he's thrilled with him. I'm
0: sure. Um to put more attention to Tim. I think he's just trying to
1: man. Yeah, and I I think that oh I read reports that was the the rumor with the Tim Tebow signing. They they brought him in shortly after the draft or before the draft. I'm not sure. To possibly take some of the the media circus away from Lawrence. So, I think Meyer knows what he's doing. He's been a very successful head coach in uh, the college ranks everywhere he's gone. So he knows what he's doing.
0: Um This one, it might be something to monitor a little bit. Jonu Smith, this was about a week ago too. What uh, was, was quoted as a rain soaked practice. So I guess the boys are balling out in a pretty, pretty uh, wet situation there, especially you as a New England guy might be able to give us a little bit more insight. Jonu Smith with the hamstring tweak. Is this something that we need to be worried about coming into the season or is this a little bit of a minor piece there? But obviously you as our New England insider guy, we'll see what you got to got to figure about this one.
1: So what the Patriots do is they don't have, I don't know if it's this way for the rest of the teams in the NFL, but the Patriots typically don't have media access to all of their off-season practices, their off-season workouts. Um, so when when Smith did get hurt, there was a media availability at that practice, and everything I listened to, everything I read, just said that he tweaked it. Uh, I think he went inside to get it checked out, but then finished practice back on the field. So I don't think it was as much as a of an injury. I think it was more of a precaution. Knowing that this is the, or it was the end of June when it happened, training camps, not for another month. Um, This is a pro, this is a veteran player. It's not a a first year guy that you have to, uh, you know, see what he has, see if he can make the team. This guy's your, your prized free agent signing. (laughs) There's no no sense in in busting it before it happens.
0: Yeah, give him a little time to give him time to rest and he should be good to go for, for spring camp for sure. Um, this one when we anticipated this to happen. When we were talking on the last podcast there, we were anticipating it to happen. But the Jets and Jamison Crowder negotiate that contract. We kind of thought maybe he just gonna get outright cut. And then there was a um a report that came out that they were asking him to cut his contract by 50%, which I guess it's also, it's hard to remember that James Crowder, he's like 28 years old. He's not very old. Like he's, he's still got a lot of years left in him. Uh, But he does, they do negotiate a $5 million contract, which 4.5 million is guaranteed. So next year he will become a free agent. Uh So they keep him locked down for this year. Um, I think that's a great move personally for the Jets. You have a young quarterback coming in and now you have a proven veteran receiver there. That's going to be able to help carry a little bit of the load. Uh, I know you got a couple other a little bit younger receivers. I you got a rookie. You got a, a younger receiver in Corey Davis that took a little bit of while to get the get the motor going. And I guess this year it's going to be—is was it a one-off? Is he actually good to go? But you definitely—I—I I definitely think they needed a veteran presence on that quarter. to—not to maybe not necessarily a safety blanket, but definitely give somebody to show the young guys how to work, and then obviously help out your young quarterback as well too. So, especially with uh, Corey Davis with the with uh, with him going down with the shoulder injury there in OTAs, so you definitely want to be able to make sure you got the the older and the depth receiving quarter to help out help out the young quarterback
1: and as the only established returning player too yeah like like Denzel Mims is in his second year I'm sure he doesn't have you know everything figured out at this point
0: especially missing a good chunk of the season
1: yeah and it being a COVID year too things were were definitely a little bit different so yeah it was a smart move for both sides um like, yeah, it's a 50% pay cut, but you still get four and a half million guaranteed. So
0: it's probably a good look. Especially going into a contract year where yeah. you could you could have just been cut and somebody could have picked you up and and then who knows where you're at. At least now you're, in a, you're well, quite possibly the one on the team. Mm-hmm. And then you use this year's leverage going into a contract year and hopefully get another decent contract to kind of finish your career out, I guess. So um, the last little piece of news, Pretty minor, but uh, maybe in Dynasty leagues, this might be something interesting to follow, especially if you're not a Jalen Hurts believer. Uh, but the uh, the Eagles signed backup quarterback, Nick Mullins uh, from San Francisco. I guess if you're if you're not a Jalen Hurts believer, then this might be a good Dynasty pickup. Go scoop him if you think that Hurts isn't the answer and they're going to be looking for somebody at the queue. Um, personally, I think Hurts is going to be definitely somebody that is going to be a high target in fantasy football this upcoming season. So it's going to be hard to say that Nick Mullins is going to replace him at any point the season. But especially if you're in a deeper dynasty, I think that might be a nice little pickup because I can't imagine too many rosters have Nick Mullins sitting on their roster, especially going into the 2021 season.
1: Or if you have Hertz, scoop up Mullins if you can. Like
0: the insurance policy.
1: We've seen these athletic quarterbacks that uh, that scrambling is part of their game we've seen them get hurt plenty of times so yeah get yourself that uh, insurance
0: uh but yeah so that's that kind of does it with for us the insiders and headliners like i said not not a whole heck of a lot to report but just enough to kind of to uh just kind of give you guys a little bit of stuff going on the two weeks hopefully it's upcoming next couple weeks here as just start prepping a little bit more for the for spring camp and all the little in, all the news pieces might be coming but uh let's get her going into a uh, keep trade cut now this is usually the this is usually Armin's segment, and we give our little two cents to Armin, but obviously with him not being here, uh, we're going Canadian NFL Players Edition. Uh, so Zach's going to tell uh, everybody what he thinks, and then I'll kind of give my two cents into it. Um, Canadian player, we we're thinking of going Claypool, but that made it a little bit too obvious, I think, with the three players we got in here. Uh, so we got two players that are brand new into the NFL, uh, almost playing the unknown game um in rookie startup drafts are going kind of late thirds maybe even in the fourth round a couple of these guys um and then we have the the known but the possible like uh hit the previous 101 but uh could be with the new england receiving core. could he maybe have a, a late surgence in his career we'll see so we got new uh, we got Nikhil harry from new england we got chubba hubbard from uh, carolina and then we got josh palmer from the chargers so two rookies and then uh, uh, a couple of years into the league here, but relatively unproven uh, Canadian as well too. So uh, Zach, tell the people what you figured. Keep trade cut, Nikhil, Harry, Josh Palmer and Chubba Hubbard.
1: So when I, when I got the message that it was my turn to do this, um, I was, I didn't know what to do with, with Chubba or Josh. So I knew what to do with Harry right away. Um, Got to cut bait with Harry, so I'll cut Nikhil Harry. That uh, that pains me as a as a Pats fan, but also as a an owner of him in multiple leagues. Um, I made that, that heavy investment his rookie year. Um, actually, no, I I bought him last year in one league for a second round pick, and then in the other league I drafted him uh, with the one two rookie pick his rookie year. Um, so he just hasn't performed yet. Uh, he was kind of in Belichick's dog host his first year, it seemed, or Brady's dog host more likely. Um, and then last year, Cam Newton just couldn't get things cooking. So I'll cut bait with Harry, especially considering, uh, the players that they've brought in this off season, a couple tight ends, two more receivers. So I think he's on the outside looking in. Um, I'm going to keep Chubb Hubbard. Um. I think he's in a pretty good position right now to start his career um behind McCaffrey, who's coming off an injury himself. Um, if McCaffrey gets hurt, uh Hubbard can go in and be a starter, most likely, for you. Um, also, uh perhaps Armin's made this argument a few times. He believes McCaffrey is going to be receiving less touches, so that might just open the door a little bit more for Hubbard. So I'll I'll wait and see with him and I'll keep him on my roster. Um, so Josh Palmer, I'm going to trade. And interestingly enough, I think I like Palmer the most out of these three guys. But over the last two months, Palmer has gone from a relatively unknown commodity to somebody that might be a very popular sleeper pick in a lot of uh, redrafts, I guess. Um, He was somebody that I had my eye on going into the third round of every rookie draft that I did. I was hoping to get him and uh, I was never able to get him. Uh, I think the one draft he went the pick before me. So, um, but now on Twitter, it's a name that's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement from beat reporters. Uh, the, The beat reporters are pounding that drum, so. I think he's somebody that you might be able to turn around and flip right now if you have him for a, a proven commodity or a a higher or an earlier rookie pick in the coming year. So maybe you picked him up with the third round pick this year. Maybe you could find a guy that wants to gamble a bit and you get his second round next year. So um, I think he's the one that carries the most value right now just because of the buzz. So I would trade him.
0: That's uh interesting. It's just like for me, I would keep Palmer and trade Hubbard. Just I think they're very similar, and I think personally, I'd rather like myself. I'm I like Palmer, just I like his situation in Los Angeles there. And it's funny, like you mentioned, like trying to trade, like so trying to get him late in the drafts. I had my eyes on him everywhere. Unfortunately, just didn't have the draft spots to pick him up. So yeah. then I put feelers out to the, a lot of the guys that did draft him, and they're like, okay, no, I, I want this. Well, a lot of drafts he was going in that, like I would say. In our 10-team draft, I think he went like the 404, maybe or the 402. And then in my 12 team, he went in like the 312. And then my 16 team, like I think he went 210 or something like that, or 301 or something. I can't remember. But all of a sudden you're asking, okay, well, what do you want for Josh Palmer? I'm interested. Well, second round pick. It's like you draft him with your fourth round. No, I want a second round. It's like he hasn't even had a professional snap yet. But just like you said, the Twitter buzz, I think, is getting a little bit out of control. It's just I think in a situation where you obviously have um, Keenan Allen's the clear-cut number one. Mike Williams is getting a lot of buzz right now, and he's he's a guy that I want to talk about lots coming into the season because I think he's really slept on for obvious reason with the injury concern and stuff like that. But obviously, if he goes down, who's stepping into that position? Well, Josh Palmer is a pretty big receiver, so I think he's going to be able to step into that role and and could be the two. So just I I like Palmer so obviously I'm going to keep him and trade to Hubbard just for personal interest, but, but I think we're going to always the greens here on the cutting of Nikhil Harry's just too bad it just <laughs> the 102 investment <laughs> from uh. some people on that. So, um, all right. So I guess that'll do it for keep trade cuts. We'll have to see what Armin figures. Cause usually we're the ones kind of picking on him a little bit after this, especially that last one, that was, that was a little bit, uh, a little bit good time. So now we'll have to answer to Armin for our, uh, our decisions on this one. So, um, segueing now into our off segment. Uh, what we're doing today is the All-Canadian Fantasy Team. So obviously with uh, with us staying on the Canadian topics today, uh, we went back and we found all of the very best seasons that any Canadian NFL player has ever had. And we pieced together that we'll have the top, basically, if you're picking only Canadians, will be your best team you could possibly ever have. So the All-Canadian Fantasy Team in half-point PPR scoring with a starting lineup of a single quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a flex, and a kicker. So uh, we have an eight man team starting lineup here. uh, And I'll let uh, Zach take it away here with our all Canadian fantasy team, starting off with our quarterback.
1: All right. QB one, we have Mark Rippon of the Washington football team, formerly the Washington Redskins. Uh, Mark was from Calgary, Alberta and he played in the NFL from 1988 until 2001. Mark was drafted in the sixth round, 146th overall in 1986. In 1991, he had his career year where he put up 251 fantasy points over 16 games. He threw for 3,564 yards, 28 TDs, 11 interceptions with one rushing touchdown, Good for just over 15 and a half fantasy points per game. That season, he led the Washington team to the Super Bowl, where he was named Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Mark finished his career with 1,175 fantasy points.
0: Yeah. So um obviously, maybe a guy that's would be like you'd mentioned, uh, we were talking about a little bit before the podcast started. Maybe not your your early draft pick where you're clear cut QB one. But if you're in a super flex league, a really competent QB two or or maybe a streamer for for the bikes or something like that. Cause obviously you're not really 16 is kind of that little pinnacle point where it's like, okay, you're definitely is not going to lose your week, but it's not going to win your week either. Uh but uh especially for a Canadian, the, the Super is kind of cool. That's uh that's a cool little statistic for a Canadian quarterback. Uh and even connecting it now to a current NFL, his uh his nephew, um uh Brett Rippin, actually started for the denver broncos for i think it was uh, for two games or he went in for half a game after an injury and they started the following week or something like that but uh so the keeping the keeping the canadian content going and even connecting into our current nfl you the, got the mark rippon for our quarterback for our team currently and then even his nephew a starting quarterback for denver so a neat little connection there as well too so um, I'll get to go on here with our RB1, uh, I'm happy I got to take this one for the North Balfour connection, but uh, we got Reuben Mays from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, like I mentioned, he's from North Balfour, Saskatchewan, so especially 306, kind of cool to be able to get a Saskatchewan guy on our Canadian team. Uh, he played in the NFL from 1986 to 1993, and he was drafted in the third round, uh, 57th overall in the 1986 draft. Um, in the 1986 season, his rookie season, he scored 209.9 points so just about 210 points uh in 16 games where he uh carried the uh, carried the ball for uh, 1353 rushing yards and punching in for eight touchdowns averaging a little over 13 points per game uh, and then finishing out his career with 583.5 points so uh really good uh Canadian football player, Saskatchewan, really cool connection there. Even as for North Balfour, a little like side note here about Ruben Mays is actually pretty cool. My grade 12 year, uh, we actually dedicated our practice field at North Balfour Comprehensive where, where I played. Uh, so he came down, we had a huge ceremony, uh, and we named the practice field, the Ruben Mays, uh, practice field. So he got to come down and me and my, one of my best friends, we were linebackers, uh, in our grade 12 season. And obviously him being a running back is pretty neat Uh, me and him got a picture with Ruben Mays uh, in this little celebration. So uh, neat little connection here, obviously talking about on the podcast, but getting to meet him and, and being able to be part of the dedication ceremony of the North Valve for comprehensive field. So that's a neat little connection. So I don't know what's what's better for maybe the probably probably being our, our RB1 on our team, I think. But <laughs> but uh, anyways, a little 306 connection on our uh, on our team, on our team, all Canadians. Uh, so. Uh, Ruben Mays, our RB1.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Jordan, for leaving me with the RB2. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, good luck I'm, pronouncing this name. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I beg everybody's forgiveness and patience. Uh, our RB2 is Tim Um, It's a real tongue twister. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tim played in the NFL from 1996 until 2001. Uh, In the 1996 draft, he was picked, it says eighth overall, Um, and in 1999, he put up 718 yards, six TDs, uh, 23 receptions, good for 189 yards. Um, That season, he would have put up just over 14 fantasy points per game. And uh, for his career, he had 510 points Uh, in preparation for the podcast. Watched some YouTube uh, videos of Tim, more so just so I could try to study how the announcers pronounced his name (laughs) and uh, all the credit in in the world to those guys, because they could say that name without blinking an eye. And just looking at it, I'm getting nervous. So (laughs) let's, let's move it on.
0: Yeah, wrapping up our running back positions there.
1: Alrighty. So I'll take wide receiver one uh, wide receiver. One was Nate Burlinson, uh of the Minnesota Vikings, but he also played a little bit for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Nate was from Calgary, Alberta originally, and he played in the NFL from 2003 to 2013. He was picked in the third round 71st overall in the 2003 NFL draft. Uh, in 2004, he put up 227 fantasy points over 16 games. He had 68 receptions, 1,006 yards, nine touchdowns, 49 rushing yards, and 49 rushing yards. Pardon me. Good for uh, about 14 and a half fantasy points per game. Um, fun little tidbit for me, at least, about uh, Nate Burlinson is uh, growing up every year when I got the Madden game. I'd make sure I put Nate on my roster because I needed to have that Canadian content. So every year, Tom Brady would win MVP and Nate Burleson would be the offensive player of the year. If, uh, if Brady had like 50 touchdowns, you could pretty well guarantee Nate had 50 touchdowns as well.
0: You're you're a bold faced liar. If you, if you play Madden and you say you don't have your favorite targets, when you're playing the franchise mode and yeah, you get 89 touchdowns for one receiver and the other guy's like, yeah, I need to get the balls." like, no, you don't. Sorry. No, you don't. Yeah. Is getting 80 scores this year.
1: Exactly. And uh, whether or not the game said Burleson was like a 75 overall player, no, I'd always go set him to like 99, everything. Just an unstoppable force.
0: His not his Madden 99 uh, is coming in the mail there from, from EA sports. He, he'll get it in the mail. yeah um wide receiver number two on our team this one uh i think eventually or we'd speculate would take over the wide receiver one position on our team uh but he had a very very successful rookie season this past year put him up on the wall this week uh chase claypool from the pittsburgh steelers uh originally from abbotsford british columbia uh, he's playing, obviously, his rookie season in 2020. He's still currently in the league. Uh, and he was drafted second overall, or sorry, second overall, second round, 49th overall uh, in the 2020 draft. Uh, in this past season, he had a breakout early and then unfortunately kind of just uh, fizzled a little bit with uh, offense struggles in the second half of the season with Pittsburgh there. Uh, but he had 216 just, uh, sorry, 217 points in 2020, uh, playing in 16 games. He had 62 receptions for 873 yards uh, with nine scores and he had 16 rushing yards with two rushing TDs as well, uh, averaging out for 13 and a half points per game. Uh, but I think what best be known was at week three, what he put up like 56 points in the in the one week. So uh, he had an unbelievable start and breakout early as a Canadian uh, and kind of got Chase Claypool on the map and became a pretty household name in, in a hurry and, and obviously brought a lot of uh, a lot of attention to Canadian NFL players uh, real early in the season. So uh, we speculate that he will become that uh, wide receiver one on our team. Obviously, right now, his best season is that 217 points. Uh, so we'll see that uh, maybe this season, like this season falling, we'll see if he, especially if he can take over that uh, receiver one position in Pittsburgh, then obviously the, those numbers are going to continue to go up. So uh, average running out our wide receivers, obviously, we have Nate Burleson, Uh, getting us at 14.2 points per game and then now we have Chase Claypool getting us 13.5 points per game so uh, two pretty competent receivers there as well Um, getting into the tight end position and I think this would be the epitome of saying that we're uh we threw the position to the late and hope hope for a hit but um tight ends Canadian tight ends were hard to come by we have a couple that are still kind of kicking around in the league there a little bit um, but more or less kind of blocking tight ends than maybe the offensive weapons that uh, we're looking for in the fantasy world. But our tight end is O.J. Santiago from the Atlanta Falcons, uh, originally from Whitby, Ontario. and uh, He played in the NFL from 1997 to 2003, uh, where he was drafted in 97 there, third round, 70th overall. Um, in that 97 um, – or sorry, 1998, sorry – he ended up scoring 100 points in 16 games where he had 27 receptions, 428 receiving yards, and five scores, uh, averaging only 6.24 points per game. So uh, we kind of, th- in in that situation, be like us drafting a tight end uh, late and hoping it kind of hits. You're look, looking to maybe hit on a touchdown or something of that sort, um, but averaging out six points per game from your tight end uh, is what we're going to be getting for our all-Canadian fantasy team.
1: All righty. At, uh, at flex, we have, uh, Austin Cawley and Austin was from Hamilton, Ontario, where he, uh, he played in the NFL from 2009 to 2013. Um, he was drafted in the fourth round, 127th overall in 2009. Um, during the 2010 season in only nine games, uh, he put up 58 receptions, 649 yards and eight TDs, um good for 171 points overall and just just shy of 19 points per game uh over that span um i remember watching him uh as a Colt against the patriots and just being like oh my goodness not this again oh there's another one oh there's another one um just like little dink and dunk passes from manning that uh They were just like nickel and diming the pats down the field. Extremely frustrating to watch, but uh, happy that it was a Canadian, I suppose.
0: Well, it would be pretty neat to see what he would have done that season with a full 16 games and not just nine. Like it's uh, In 2009, he put up the exact same numbers, but in a 16-game season. Then he comes back in 2010, and in in that short span, looked like all of a sudden he was going to light the world on fire. But 16-game pace of 19 points per game is... Yeah, you're gonna like that from your flex, especially especially when he's uh and like you would expect those numbers, like you said, in the 16 game season from the year previous. But um, where we kind of uh, fell short a little bit on points from our tight end position, I think we definitely made that up in our flex and our kicker position. Because uh, for our kicker, we're gonna take Mike uh, Vanderjack from the Indianapolis Colts, uh, originally from Oakville, Ontario, and he played in the NFL from 1998. Uh, to 2006 he was undrafted but played in the cfl for the toronto argonauts prior to going to the nfl um and I, his best season uh that we're going to take here it would be man if i could get these consistent points for my kicker in my fantasy leagues i am going to be loving this uh in 2003 he put up 171 points in 16 games he went 37 for 37 on field goals with the longest being 50 yards so he's 100 percent on field goals and he was 46 for 46 100 on extra points as well so did not miss one kick the entire season uh putting up an average of 10.69 points per game uh yeah if uh, if i'm averaging almost 11 points for my kicker every single game you're going to win a lot of matchups because that's the one position where you can just, it's a total crap and anything can happen. But if you're locked in, like that's that's Justin Tucker confidence right there. So uh, 11 points are definitely going to help us out from our kicker position, making up from our tight end spot. But he, he ended up scoring 1163 points in his entire career, but obviously best known for the 2003 um, season where he went 100% and uh, maybe uh, otherwise best known for the sound bite coming from from Peyton Manning as well too. So uh, that's gonna round up our eight man roster. So uh, in the entire season, if we put these players together for one full season, uh, we would have scored 1,500 points uh, just from these eight players, uh, which would average about uh, 106 and a half points per week. So you may be thinking to yourself, okay, 106 points, that's not that much. But when you think about we only have an eight-team roster when a lot of people play in nine-man, ten-man, eleven-man rosters, we don't have a defense on here. So just from our key positions of flex and our kicker to get 106.58 points, that's pretty good, especially when you're just piecing together some Canadian game players. So that like we were talking about, do we think this would be uh do we think this would be a team that maybe could ride to the championship or we make in playoffs? Like I think I'd be pretty confident to say if I'm getting 106 uh and a half points just from eight of my players, I would be pretty confident that I'm making the playoffs, but uh, I think you'd, you would have been hoping that maybe Austin Collie would have stayed healthy and maybe it <laughs> a us to the championship. But, uh, but I think yeah. that's a pretty, co- pretty competent team there from just Canadians alone.
1: Yeah. Would be, uh, we'd be looking to stream our tight end position. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll get Luke Wilson in there a couple times.
1: <laughs> Anthony Eau Claire. Yeah. Get the boys in there.
0: We'll just get a rotation. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for this one, obviously, kind of uh, not a whole heck of a lot of current NFL relevance, uh, other than maybe just a little bit of Chase Claypool connection there, uh, but having a little bit of fun here in the dog days of the fantasy football season, that's uh, getting us prepped and ready to go for the upcoming season, there's not a whole heck of a lot to talk about, especially with us. Uh, having an opportunity to maybe talk about Canadian players, we'll, we'll jump on that opportunity as well too. So uh, we will mention before we get on to the next segment here that we have a segment in the full season when the actual fantasy football season is going on. Uh, we have a certain segment, so I don't want to give too much away about it, but uh, we premiere one Canadian player that's in the NFL and we we kind of make a little bet on that person. So maybe the example would be if uh, Chase Claypool is going to score 15 points this upcoming week. And then we would talk about Chase Claypool where he's from his Canadian connection kind of give a little bit of a bio about him and then we would bet on whether we think he's going to hit a certain fantasy points or etc, kind of thing like that so. We, we do have a Canadian content segment uh, every week we get into the uh, actual fantasy season, so something definitely look forward to as a, as a Canadian podcast so. Um, next, that'll do it for our all Canadian team. Um, maybe we'll get in ourselves into ice cold hot takes here Zach what do you figure.
1: Looking forward to it let's go.
0: Okay, well, uh, I guess we'll let you uh we'll let you start it off here cuz I, I I like your take here big time. So, let's go Zach's ice cold hot takes. Here we go.
1: All righty. So, as soon as I found out we were doing the Canadian one uh, a couple of weeks ago, I made sure to call dibs on on this player. So, uh my hot take is Josh Palmer will be the steal of all rookie drafts uh this year. So, Currently, Fantasy Pros has him as wide receiver 17 off the board in rookie drafts. Um, I think he's going to blow that draft position out of the water uh, by the time this season is all said and done. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I think, Palmer's pre-draft profile, Palmer's um, production from college. I think it's, looking at it face value, it's very it's underwhelming but I think if you look a little bit deeper you can take some some meaningful takes away from it so um up until this most recent year uh Palmer played behind Juan Jennings and Marquez callaway at Tennessee uh both of those players are in the NFL this year uh Jennings was drafted uh in the seventh round and and callaway was undrafted but both NFL quality players that he was behind Um, his senior season. When he was the main receiver on the team, uh, he put up 33 receptions for 475 yards and, and four scores uh, while at Tennessee. So face value, not super sexy numbers, but Tennessee is in the sec and they are certainly not a powerhouse in the sec by any means and certainly not on offense. So those numbers were were pretty decent for a very pedestrian passing offense overall. Um, When Palmer played the best was when he played against the top competition, the best defenders in the country. One of the best things about playing in the SEC is that you play against some of the best defenders. So this year, his senior season, he played against JC Horn, who is the eighth overall pick In the NFL draft, he played against Patrick Sertain, who was the ninth overall pick in the NFL draft, played against Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, who were the 29th and 33rd overall picks respectively. In those games against South Carolina, Alabama, and Georgia, he put up 213 yards, 14 receptions and four TDs. Uh, as well as 11 first downs. So he played his absolute best football against the best competition. Uh, The types of dudes that he's going to see on a weekly basis um, in the NFL. Um, Overall for his season, 70% of his receptions went for first downs, which is a very valuable, um, I I guess, a skill set getting open on on third downs, being able to read the field. Uh, know where the sticks are,
0: especially so, especially piecing this in where we were talking about Scott Fishbowl, where you get additional points on first downs. So right, exactly. Talking about knowing knowing your platforms and knowing your scoring, where a guy that can pick up those those first downs, like he could be like you mentioned that that sneaky sneaky sleeper. Sorry to cut you off there, but I figured that's that a good point. Nexus a little bit.
1: So looking at um his his size profile, he's six foot two hundred and ten pounds very similar size to Terry McLaurin uh who was drafted 76th overall uh, 2 years ago um they are not the same receiver but very similar sizes so he does have that NFL size um right now he's with the Chargers uh, i think he's probably entering the season maybe as wide receiver 4 possibly wide receiver 3 um behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams Mike Williams has never been able to stay healthy when he's on the field. He's certainly somebody that you want on your team. He has been putting up pretty good points, but his issue is staying healthy. I think there's a very good chance that Palmer, given the right opportunities, potentially planning for a Mike Williams injury, could see uh, plenty of play, plenty of production his rookie year. This year is Mike Williams' last year of his rookie contract. He could very well be gone, especially if he gets hurt again. And Josh Palmer could be walking into a starter position, not this year, but next year. So I think it might be a little too late uh, to buy cheap on Josh Palmer. But, you know, maybe if you're in a a rookie or a dynasty league, pardon me, that does its rookie draft quite a bit later than the norm somebody to keep your eyes open for, or maybe you could catch a, uh, a sleepy owner and get him as a throw in for a trade. So I think he has a lot of potential and uh, somebody that I'm excited to watch, especially considering he's a Canadian.
0: Yeah. I like this take a lot. (laughs) Like we talked about in keep trade cuts, he's a guy I'm trying to go all in after, but it's, it's getting harder and harder, like you mentioned. But uh, like I said, going into Scotty fish, I think that's a guy that, Well, both of us obviously are going to be trying to look at late, late rounds. It's a 22 man roster, so it's a big draft. There's a lot of roster spots. So, like, especially we've doing a lot of research into this draft and getting ourselves prepared for it. Uh, If you hit on those late round guys, like you're walking yourself into a championship. Like those guys that took Justin Jefferson kind of later on there, and that was kind of their their gamble pick. Like if you if you got Jefferson in the say like 12th, 13th, 14th, whatever round. You were laughing yourself into into the championships, right? So if you can hit on one of those guys late, you're you're laughing. And whether that's be Scott Fish, whether that be redraft, whether that be your homely, whatever that is, if you hit on those late guys, it just puts you way ahead of the head of the game. So yeah, especially I like with it
1: being, with it being best ball, like you don't have to worry about is this the week Palmer goes big or is this maybe this is more of like a Mike Williams game? But with it being best ball uh i think palmer would be somebody to definitely keep an eye on for sure
0: it's like it's like guaranteeing that you're gonna have that claypool week 54 points you're guaranteed to have that in your roster right like that's that's the nice thing about best ball you never make the wrong decisions so uh but yeah i I like that take a lot i'm a big palmer guy so i like that take a lot there zach um keeping on the canadian path i was trying to figure out how the heck i'm going to try and swing one of my takes into uh into a canadian because they're they're few and far in between, unfortunately, right now, currently, and and you can't really say, oh, okay, well, Claypool is going to be a breakout candidate, even though some people are still saying he's going to break out. I, like, I don't know, I, I clearly think Claypool broke out last year, so uh, I'm going to connect this, and it's you have to bear with me here. I'm going to really connect the dots here on the on the <laughs> uh, on the uh, mental math here. But uh, Laurent uh, Duvney uh, tardif uh, he's a Canadian guard for the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, uh, the Pro Football Focus has the Chiefs rated seventh overall for the top old line. Uh, obviously there was a big shakeup for for Kansas City on their offensive line. Uh, you saw in the in the Super Bowl that was that was their Achilles heel there. They couldn't they couldn't get it going, right? So, um now obviously stacking up the offensive line, he sat out the 2020 season, so he's coming back in the 2021 season. There's reports that him and uh and Long are going to be battling a bit for that right guard position, but obviously Pro Football Focus has them rated as one of the top offensive lines in the NFL. So the player that I want to talk about here, connecting all these dots is obviously the guy running behind this offensive line. And that's Clyde Edwards, helaire uh, I've talked about him a little bit on the podcast previously, uh, but he's a guy that I'm going to be trying to get as much as possible. Maybe not so much as my RB one, but if I can get him as my RB two, I'm going to, I'm going to be all over that. Now, we're pretty early into uh draft season uh like scott fish is kind of the kickoff to draft season instead of like the first big draft and then after that you kind of they start happening a little bit more probably in august than anything else but uh clyde edwards delay right now um he's a guy that i want to jump on even though i was totally against him last season and the main reason for that is is opportunities based on your average draft position so last year after the nfl draft him going late in the first round they're the very last pick of the first round he was going the clear cut 101 for for dynasty rookie drafts, and then talking about redrafts, he was going in like the 107 position, going behind like the big names, of Derrick Henrys, the Kamara's. And then all of a sudden, 107 is Clyde Dillaire. Well, let's let's relax a second here. We hadn't even seen him do a professional snap. It's just because that you're in a high flying, high scoring offense, which is why they're taking him so high. Which, I guess if you believe the hype, you go in on it. But the ADP was just way too rich for my blood, so I was totally out on him. Like, I was thinking mid-second was probably as high as I wanted to go. Where if you actually look at his statistics, they weren't terrible, but just where the draft capital you put in, you weren't getting the same points back. So I think if you were a CEH owner last year, you were really upset about it. Where really, if you look at the numbers, it was well above average. So uh, his ADP last year was anywhere between that mid to late first round, which, like I said, was much too late, now or much too early, sorry. Now, currently his ADP is around pick 32, uh, which is, puts him around the running back 18. So, me, my argument for Clyde edwards is the same argument why everybody wanted him so early last year. He's still in the same offense, he still has the scoring opportunities, and he's still a, a pretty talented player. This is gonna be a make or break season for him, and I know there's a couple additions there in the backfield that may take some touches away from him, but I still think he has the opportunity to be successful in that offense. Okay, he was tackled along the goal line. I like, like quite a few times where he was down. Like he had, had a 15 yard run down on the one and then Mahomes runs it in or Mahomes checks it down to Kelsey or, you know, he just didn't get those touchdowns. He only had four touchdowns last year, four rushing and one receiving. So if you, if you even give him, say, let's get four extra touchdowns. So he had eight, which is still, I'd say probably below average for a, like a running back, right? Like eight's kind of that, RB like you'll be okay happy with it so even if you gave him eight touchdowns he was a running back one last year he finished as the running back oh I don't have it written down here I think he finishes a running back like 18 or running back 17 or something like that last year I don't have it on top of my head but it he was he was borderline RB2 like potentially even like closer to RB3 but he was within that like middle tier RB2 range but if you just give him four extra touchdowns which means like a couple times you you get that shoelace tackle but you at least just fall in the end zone so four is not crazy to add for running back he's finishing as a rb1 he finishes in that 12 spot where then that 107 draft capital isn't as bad and more people are like okay i'm in on clyde like, i'm in i'm in I'm in. but i think so many people are burned by him that the value is going the opposite way where people are like no i'm totally out on him i'm joe mixing in it right now i'm out on him i'm i don't want it but now all of a sudden like if i'm taking him 32nd overall like RB 18, you're getting him at like the 302, 303, 304. Like these are names that are going in front of him. Uh, Deandre Swift, JK Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. Like to me, Clyde or opportunity, like Swift is not like, that's a not bad offense. It's a bad team, it's a bad offense. And that's coming from a Lions fan, like it's not good. So he's not going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. Dobbins is still getting poached in the red zone by not only one player, by two players. So even though he's carrying the load between the 20s, as soon as he gets inside the red zone, Dobbins was yanked so many times. So he's going to be vultured too. So you're still hoping for a massive uptick in opportunities from Dobbins and efficiency. Josh Jacobs, we know Josh Jacobs' situation it's not ideal. And, and Miles Sanders' situation, it's sketchy at best here. So when you look at CEH, not a whole lot has changed for him. There's a couple different bodies in there. Uh, Damian Williams is gone he's in Chicago I think he was one guy that people are a little bit concerned about but he sat out the previous season um, so I think he still has a solid opportunities I mean it's still Kansas City offense they're still going to score lots and if you're still the lead back for that opportunity it's always been proven that if you're the lead back for that that offense you're going to be successful especially now Andy read offense right so um, I don't think a whole lot's changed from other than just the perspective from fantasy football people that well, he sucked last year, He's going to suck this year. Well, I don't really think he sucked that much. The, the difference of him being an a RB1 from an RB2 was not significant at all. And he still has the same opportunity. So my my hot take is that Clyde Urjelair is going to be a steal. Um, it's, he's going to be in that third round and he's going to be somebody that I'm all over. Because if you can have him as your RB2, as a steady eddy guy with serious upside, I think you're going to be pretty happy with that for sure. So,
1: Absolutely. I agree. 110%. Um, let's let's pretend that he goes three oh one in a twelve team draft. So you could go conceivably if you want to go RB heavy, start it off with the one oh one, you could go um
0: CMC, you go Dalvin DMC. Cook, like
1: yeah, so go CMC. Then you come back at two twelve and you go like I don't know, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and then you back that with Clyde you have potentially three RB ones. So you have your RBs covered and then you have a flex, you have a great flex.
0: You can even in that two twelve position, you could go with somebody like Hopkins might not slide that far at this year, but like a guy like Keenan mm-hmm. Allen, like Keenan yeah. Allen could be your, your wide receiver one. Metcalf isn't gonna slide that far, but like a guy, maybe a guy like, um, uh, what's his name there in, in uh, New Orleans? Uh, Thomas. Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, like he went from being the 107, 108 last year to all of a sudden you can get him in the late second, early third. So I mean, like you can have some serious upside where a guy like you said the RB ones in the third round they don't come around very often, and usually they're gambles. Where I just don't see him as a gamble. I see him kind of as locked in RB two guarantee. Like he's I just uh, obviously barring injury. But
1: and then if you if you look at the the 112 draft spot, you could start your draft with maybe uh travis kelsey
0: Travis or and, like, or eckler
1: yeah i was going to say kelsey at uh 12 eckler at 2-1 and then you come back for the third round and you get you get ceh that's a deadly team there yeah so i think and, and pretty
0: balanced that,
1: yeah anywhere in that third round it's good value um you know provided that he at the very least repeats what he did last season.
0: Yeah. So here's, here's the name of throw out there. Cause he's going to get drafted in around the same area. I think he's still getting drafted a little bit higher, but I think guys kind of treat them similar. Joe Mixon or Clyde Edwards-Alaire?
1: Um, good question. A lot of coach speak this year about Joe Mixon, but uh, I think everybody and their mom's been burnt by Mixon at least <laughs> once. So. <laughs>
0: Just but for that, that reason alone i'll go with ceh and, and people are like people are treating ceh like he's joe mixon and burned to the last four seasons in a row it's like man he was like first of all he's a rookie in a COVID year not a lot of preparation so to me i just think that opportunity is going to go up maybe not necessarily up carry opportunities but opportunity to grow in the offense maturity get stronger get faster get used to the nfl tempo like that's the thing i think a lot of people and this could be a hot take itself, but like those rookies going into their sophomore season I think if you can try and like get a couple of those guys that maybe had a little bit of a rough start to people are writing off already like you got to remember they, they didn't have much opportunity especially guys maybe like were hurt like like guys like Denzel Mims, guy like Jalen Rager, uh, maybe guys like that had a bit of a tough goal this year like Henry Ruggs like you got to remember those guys had you they could be bust but at the same time they didn't have an off season, so you might be able to get those guys late and and hope for the hit where guys are kind of writing off ceh like he had a bus season where he was a locked in rb2 with rb1 upside like
1: he just wasn't what everybody was buying right
0: especially after i think the week one like it's kind of the same thing how people are choked about josh jacobs where he actually had a really good season but after a huge week one and then it was kind of just mediocre from there which is kind of the same thing ceh had that huge week one I think he had half his touchdowns in week one. <laughs> like So That's uh, that won't do it for you. But but yeah, anyway, CEH, buy him. Buy, buy, buy. I'm trying to get him in Dynasty right now. It's a little bit harder because uh, he obviously is a rookie and he had decent numbers on a good offense. So I guess if you are going to try and get him, you're almost overpaying. But like I think when you look at guys like Dobbin Swift, like they're getting drafted and redraft higher them. I still think there's people in Dynasty that view those guys higher too. Like to try to buy Swift, you're probably paying more for Swift than you would CEH anyways too. Where CH I think comes a little bit more um gamble in Dynasty because I think this is kind of a prove it year form, and especially in that offense where they're very win now and not setting up for the future. But I don't know. I I uh yeah, big fan. Not so much last year. They just it's all based on ADP and based on based on where you think they're gonna finish, and then obviously going from that average draft position based on value. So he's a huge value this year. Huge value. I think that's uh I guess like that'll, that'll kind of do it for the hot takes today. So, um, anything to, uh, anything to add to this one here, Zach, before we wrap everything up?
1: Uh, no, just with, uh, the long weekend coming around, uh, everybody be safe, be responsible, make good choices.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that was kind of thing, what I, I was thinking too, is just, it, well, I, I don't know about you Zach, but I, I grew up in Battleford there long weekend. Everybody's heading up to the lake, obviously in PA here, a uh, big thing too, is heading to the lake. Uh, those highways can get a little scary. We, uh, like highway four North there by battle for that one's like scary. How many, how many people you see out there drinking and driving on that one and the accidents and what, and everything, you know, that happens on there. So definitely I'm going to piggyback on that one. like exact be safe. If you're having some drinks, having a good time, yeah. Find a safe ride there. Taxis, Ubers, parents, friends, whatever you got to do enjoy responsibly. Bicycles. Obviously yeah. Bicycles <laughs> <laughs> bike that hill uphill. After a couple pops could be an entertainment in itself. But uh, enjoy the enjoy the long weekend, everybody. Enjoy the weather. Um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll be trying to enjoy the weather here. We're on holidays now, teachers. So we'll be kicking our feet up and relaxing for a little bit and hit the links a little bit. I start my masters next week, so I got one solid week of holidays before for the masters kickstart. So, uh, but I guess that'll kind of do it here, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to episode number ten, our all Canadian edition uh, episode. Uh, I guess follow us on socials, 306FFB. You'll be able to find us on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook as well. Uh, and then once again, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We, uh, we definitely appreciate that. And if you're listening on uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, any of the pod- podcast platforms, uh, be sure to like us and, and share our platforms as well. We definitely appreciate that. So uh, thanks again, everybody. That was episode 10. Take care there and enjoy for this weekend. Thanks, everybody.